Welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast, where we chat to inspirational folks throughout the city about living their best lives and encourage our listeners to grow and glow. This podcast is sponsored by Bonnie Affair. Bonnie Affair is an event company based in Glasgow which organises group activities for corporate team building days, hen and stag parties and birthday celebrations in Scotland. With over 30 activities to choose from, you can take part in outdoor pursuits, food and drink masterclasses, pampering days and craft classes. Bonnie Affair have been making headline news as they created a fun and unique class called Bling My Bits. These classes involve painting and decorating an erotic mould whilst educating the group on the importance of testicular, breast and cervical cancer. Their next event will be held at Versanta on June the 11th for Cervical Screening Awareness Week, where all proceeds go to Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust. For any event booking or to book tickets for the fundraiser, you can contact Bonnie Affair at info at You can also visit the website at www.bonnieaffair.co.uk and follow them on Insta, Twitter and Facebook at Bonnie Affair. Bonnie Affair, saving you money, time and stress. Hello and welcome to the GGC podcast. My name is Laura McGuinness and every week I'm out and about in the city interviewing some inspirational folks for y'all. So this week is Mental Health Awareness Week and it's for that reason I wanted that to be the focus of the podcast. So you're going to hear from two brilliant women. You're firstly going to hear from Laura Coya, who is a GP and a writer for the blog A Year of Small Changes, which I cannot recommend highly enough to check out. It's full of such valuable content in relation to your health and well-being. Next up, you will hear from Jen Jameson, who is the creator of Excelsior Adventures. And Jen talks about her own journey with mental health and how she came to create a business model from it. So what I will say is if you're feeling a wee bit fragile today, perhaps today is not the right day to listen to the podcast, because as I say, we do talk about topics that may trigger sad feelings. We talk about depression. We talk about Jane being in a a relationship where she suffered domestic abuse. And so I do just want to put that in there now. Similarly, I wanted to chat very, very quickly about my kind of own journeys with mental health. So the theme for this year for the Awareness Week is body image. Now, body image is something that I have massively struggled with throughout my life. I was always a chubbier child and then kind of took that into my teenage years and my early 20s. My yo-yo dieting meant that my weight fluctuated crazily and that made changes to my body which led me to be very unhappy, very low self-esteem, didn't have a lot of confidence and it really did affect my day-to-day. So let's hear from Laura and Jen. Hello Laura. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the GGC podcast. Oh, I'm happy to do it. No, honestly, it's brilliant. Thank you for taking the time. I know how busy you are as a GP. That's a busy life. Yes, yeah. The time between that and the kids, it definitely keeps me going. Keeps you busy. And not only that, but you've also got a fantastic blog. Tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, so, um, so I've got a blog that I write with some colleagues called The Year of Small Changes. Um, and it's basically a, a blog that um, gives people health and evidence-based advice on small changes they can make in their day-to-day lives to improve their health and their well-being, both their physical health and their mental health. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So that is like invaluable content for people. Oh, thank you. It is, and I've, I've, I'm an avid reader of it, so I can't recommend it highly enough. And what I'll do is I'll post links to it 
um, below this podcast so people can just click through. That would be excellent. Brilliant. So we are going to have a separate chat, but we're we're chatting today yeah. about Mental Health Awareness Week. Yeah. And Mental Health Awareness Week, I think, and I think it's a good thing, mental health is something that's coming much more into the forefront than it ever was. Yeah, and I think for good reason. I think it's becoming a much um, uh, it's an increasing problem in society through all ages. Yes. It's not something that just affects young people. It affects people right the way through to, to the last couple of decades of their lives as well. It affects men as well as women. You know, there's no one really that isn't touched by mental health in some ways. So I think it's really important that not only do we focus on mental health throughout the year, but there is a, a mental health awareness week that really draws focus into that area. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you do think like having these awareness weeks are very worthwhile then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it, it, you know that there's a lot of focus in general on mental health nowadays compared to even 10 years ago. But I think what happens with an awareness week is that all forms of media, newspapers, social media, radio, everywhere really focuses on the one subject at a time. And that's really powerful. It's much more powerful than just having random stories in one media or another throughout the year. Yes. It also gives organisations a chance to work together to promote mental health awareness. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, for example, next week at the, I live in Bears Den and at the Bears Den Festival, really, there's a big focus on mental welfare and mental wellbeing um, this week. So well, there's that aspect of drawing communities together to discuss things as, as well. So I think the, the awareness weeks in general are, are really useful. Um, in our practice as well, we've got a wellbeing wall in the general practice and the um, the awareness weeks give us the opportunity to run a whole theme for a week and give people lots of information about whatever that week might be. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think they're a great idea. Big oh, fan. Amazing. Right, okay, great. And and also, there's they're, they're themed as well, aren't they? So this year's theme yes. is body image. Yeah. Which yes. is, do you feel as though, and I, I, this is something that I definitely have noticed, do you feel as though social media is really affecting people's mental health negatively when it comes to things like body image oh absolutely um yeah i got a lot of again you would think what i'm going to say is i got a lot of young people in who are in social media who want to look like a famous celebrity whatever but actually i got a lot of people in of every age men and women who are really influenced by the images they see in social media and um, a lot of guys in their 30s 40s 50s who are seeing men who who look um unrealistically muscly and toned on social media and because they don't feel like they can live up to that they're really having significant problems with their, their mental health really significant problems with their self-esteem um, their mental health suffering their relationships with their partners are suffering um, and again you see it right through to older people who are, are seeing kind of unrealistic images um, of people what people their age can, can look like and can yes. achieve and I think it's just making people feel like they're they're, they're not living their best life to uh, to quote a, a common hashtag yes. on social media and that you know they they're not val- you know they don't have enough value in society compared to other people um, and it really does make people struggle they're just trying to compare themselves to something that's unrealistic well that's the thing and I think as well and I, I totally agree with what you were saying there in terms of it, it is everybody because I certainly <laughs> know that it's it's not just a female phenomenon to look you know to look on social media and feel sort of lesser it's it's all ages and stages genders I think as well because what's so unfortunate about social media is how easy it is for people to actually edit their images yes and this then creates even I mean sometimes you're on Instagram and you're thinking like is anything real 
Yeah, it does make you question a lot of it, doesn't it? It makes you question a lot of it, and I think... So how can people, if you're... I mean, like, people would obviously assume it would be youngsters because they're they're probably slightly more easily influenced, although maybe maybe not. But what kind of tips would you give to people, certainly from the the body image perspective, to kind of... Like, how can we feel better about ourselves when it comes to body image? I think in terms of social media, you have to be really careful who you're following. Yeah. And I think if you're following somebody who gives a very unrealistic idea of what normal people look like um, and what's achievable, then my advice would be to unfollow them. I think if they're promoting things like um, you know, slimming tea, slimming coffees, any of these things that we know there's no evidence work and they're showing before and after pictures that are clearly showing them um, pushing their tummies out with no makeup and their hair yes. not done in the first one and then you know, looking two stones lighter in the next one with their skin glowing, their makeup oh, on yes. and their tummies all sucked in. I, I would, my advice is to young girls in particular um, is unfollow these people. Yes. Pick very carefully who you want to be positively influencing your life because these people are not positive influences actually. They're negative. They make you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, if you had a friend who was making you feel that way about yourself, you would choose not to spend any time with them and soon you wouldn't be friends with them. Yes. So why are you choosing to look at these images you know, you know, on social media, so um, and there's lots of people out there. You know, lots of really um, inspiring, beautiful, um, positive young women and men on social media that they could be following instead. And I think that's my big message: is pick very carefully who you're following. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't go on social media at all, but be very careful about it, and be very aware that what you're looking at is often not real. Yes. Um, and also the other thing I say to people is, you know, if they are coming in and they've got a very negative body image themselves, often they're really focused on how they look and how much they weigh. Yeah. And what I always say to people is, I actually think you could wake up tomorrow looking like that, weighing whatever you think the magic number is for you and still be unhappy. Because the bottom line is, it's, you know, the way you feel about yourself isn't all about what you look like. Yes. And if you really work on your self-esteem and your self-worth and what a difference you're making on a daily basis to other people, no matter how small, you actually will feel better in yourself and you won't be so focused on the aesthetics of um, of how you look. Yes. Um, so it's not, I think often people are kind of blaming their unhappiness um, on, the, on the physical side of, of their, their well-being and I think really what they need to be doing is focusing on their self-esteem and and, and improving their self-image that way. Yeah, focusing... Um, but that's a difficult concept to get to get across to people, especially young people. It is difficult because mm. we live in such we, yeah. we live in such an aesthetic world. But absolutely, and social media has only heightened that. However, I do. It all comes from as as you know. It's kind of the cliche of what the beauty is skin deep. Is that yeah. the, is that the right way of saying it? It's it's the inner. Yeah. It's the inner that creates the outer beauty, and sometimes absolutely. you'll be in the you'll be in the company of someone who's so super confident and lovely that it doesn't matter their physical appearance at all. They've got such a loveliness about them that you're just automatically attracted to them because you oh, think, Oh, you're just drawn wow. to these people. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny, isn't it? You just meet these people that are just, they're almost like magnetic and you just feel yourself drawn to... And I think often what they're portraying is constant self-belief and they're just nice. They're just yes. nice people to be around. They make you feel good about yourself when you're with them. Yeah. Um, and that's and way more really powerful absolutely, than looking like absolutely. a Kardashian or whoever it is that's the kind of ideal of the day. But yeah. it is, it's about, yeah, it's about having that 
self-belief, confidence and just being a good human. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot, there's, you know, there's quite a few influencers on social media now who are very much talking about um, body image and about how actually the way looks not important and posting pictures of themselves that are particularly, you know, quite unflattering. Um, yeah. And I think that that's sending a positive image as well to, um, to people saying, actually, I'm happy to post pictures of myself looking like this and it doesn't, take away from the person I am and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me any less of a person. And I think, you know, that's also sending a positive message. So I think there's definitely more of a balance in social media in, in the last 12 months to two years than, than there was before. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. It's about time. Yeah. I know myself, like, I see if I see a no makeup shot or, or something like that, I just find it so refreshing. So I'm always just like, yeah. you know, good for you. It's not, it's not like an edited picture or anything. It's just who you are. I just think it's instantly more relatable as well because how, how many months do you get up in the morning um, with the full face of makeup on? I'm sure there is a lot out there, but certainly it doesn't happen in my house. And I just find it really refreshing and instantly think, you're somebody I think I could relate to. Oh, totally. And actually that would draw me to somebody's um, page more than anything. Oh, I know, totally. Yeah. See, if I was supposed yeah. to morning pick though, like people would be scared. Like I actually, <laughs> I wake up like some kind of crazy beast. <laughs> I think we all have more just like that, don't we? Oh, God, honestly. But I think that's a sign of a good sleep. (laughs) Yes, it is. When you're here, it's a sign of valuing good sleep more than. um, So I would always rather have an extra 10 minutes in my bed than actually get up and do these things. But I hear you. (laughs) That is literally me. Getting up is a struggle. Um, But no, so this is great. So you obviously, as a GP, you will have a lot of people coming in with mental health uh, discussions, issues that they, they want to speak to you about. So yeah. as, as, a, like, as a GP, do you think that the NHS is equipped well to deal with mental health? That's a difficult one. I think there's definitely a lot of areas, um, like as a GP there's lots of different areas of the NHS I can access in terms of getting support for my patients. But overall, I think there definitely should be more funding going into the NHS in terms of mental health. But the problem is, like everything, there's not a bottomless pit of money. Yes. I think what a lot of people aren't aware of is that the range of services that are out there. And I think even a lot of GPs aren't aware of all the services that are available locally. So I suppose as an example, um, if a patient comes in to me and they're suffering from say anxiety um, there's lots of things I can do with them I can see them myself and follow them up if they're just having a couple of wee issues that I think I can I can help them with but if they've got good going symptoms of anxiety I can get support for them from what we call the primary care services so services that are attached to my practice if you like okay and they can then see um, a, a mental health nurse either at my practice or locally for a period of sessions to get some help with their anxiety and their depression um, but that's obviously not forever. That lasts for six to eight sessions. If I'm more concerned about and I think they've got real um, significant issues with their mental health, we can refer them on to what we call secondary care services where they can see um, mental health nurses, psychiatrists um, within the hospital setting. Okay. Um, and the other place that's often underutilised by GPs and a lot of the public aren't aware of, the other place I can go to for help and support is what we call the volunteer third sector. And they're kind of local charities, some of which are supported by the NHS and by um, social work services, but some are totally charity based. And in, in Eastern Bartonshire, for example, there's about 600 volunteer organisations and charities in the area. Wow. And lots of them are doing amazing work in terms of 
not just mental health in particular, but um, offering things like art classes, um, massage, yoga, all sorts of therapies that obviously help contribute to improving people's mental health. Yes. As well as specific mental health support um, organisations like Mind the Men, Brothers in Arms, you know, some mental health charities. So there is a lot of help that as a GP you can access, but the issue is in that 10-minute consultation and with everything else you have to remember as a GP, knowing all about all of these services is, is I would say, now impossible. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of services out there, but it's accessing them that's the issue. So we're lucky we've got the wellbeing service in the practice and what we have is a wellbeing worker that comes in whose job it is to know about all these other services. Okay. And they can then meet up with people who've got problems with anxiety and depression and actually get them along to whichever um, community services out there that will help them. And I think that's where the NHS needs to be focusing on is building up this kind of, um, I suppose, service, what we call social prescribing or wellbeing service where you can get one-on-one advice about what support you need as an individual to improve your mental health. Yes. Because what I need might not be, well, is unlikely to be what you need. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it needs to be very individualised. And I think that's what NHS at the moment is not very good at, is individualised packages of care for people with mental health problems. Okay, um, okay. Well, because that, that is something. So later on in this yeah. podcast, we're going to hear from Jen of Excelsior Adventures. Um, and, yes, and that, I know Jen. Yes, I know she's lovely, yeah. isn't she? And she's got such yeah. an incredible story and what she's done yeah. is amazing. And she speaks quite openly in the podcast that she was, you know, she was put on medication, which she now in hindsight doesn't think was the right decision. But yeah. for me, I always think it must be it must be hard for a GP to be able to actually sit down and listen to a person and then kind of decide what is the best route. Is, has that yeah. been a challenge for you in the past? It is so difficult. It's still a challenge for me now, and I've been a GP for a long time. Um, it is difficult. As a GP, you have a 10-minute appointment. Um, and in my head, what I, it's nothing. It's, it's barely enough time to get someone in and get them to even start talking to you because people are not going to come in instantly ready to you know, offload all their troubles onto you or to open up to you. Yeah. Um, so in my head, when someone comes in, if they look like they're about to burst into tears, if they burst into tears, if they start to tell me that actually they've been struggling over the last wee while... In my head, I'm already thinking, this is going to take 20 minutes, half an hour, and that's okay. Yep. Um, and I think that's the, the one thing I would say is, um, you know, accept that it's going to take a wee bit of time to kind of work through these problems with people. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think I think what makes life easier for me in terms of getting a, an individual plan for that person is just spending that time and asking them a lot of questions. Yes. Um, and I do ask them a lot of questions about, you know what is co- you know what do they think behind the reason and the deterioration in their mental health? Ask them about their work, what they do every day, what they eat every day, when they sleep, when they get up, if they have pets, what um, if they drink caffeine, if they take alcohol, if they smoke, loads of things. It's endless, yep. and I get out, what I'm really trying to do is build up a picture of that person's life to work out where they need extra support in terms of improving their anxiety or improving their moods. Um, and it also gives me, it also asks, you know, quite difficult questions like, you know, how how depressed are you? How anxious are you? How, how much is this affecting your life? Yes. Can you leave the house? Yes. Are you thinking of harming yourself? Are you thinking of ending your life? Have you tried to end your life? Yes. And you need to ask these, you just, you just need to ask these questions. There's no two ways around it. Um, you, well, you need to know or else you can't prescribe I need to know, base. yeah. Yeah. And once I've got a picture as to kind of, I suppose, how how significant and how bad their symptoms are I then decide well do I think medication would help here 
So we know, for example, medication has been proven to be beneficial in people who've got moderate to severe anxiety and depression. Okay. Whereas for people who've got mild, mild symptoms, it probably isn't going to make a difference. Okay. So I then talk to them about the, the pros and cons of medication, ask them if it's something they want to consider. And the people who do want to try medication, which does work for a large number of people, yes. I make it very clear that the medication on its own is not going to solve this problem. Yeah. Um, that yes, we'll do the medication, yes, it will help, but actually we need to look at all these other areas of your life and give you a wee bit of support to, to sort this out a little bit and to yes. move forward. Um, so it's difficult because you're asking someone who's already struggling to accept the fact that there's not going to be an easy answer to this and it's going to take a lot of hard work from their side and a lot of support from my side to try and get them there. Oh, but I think if you have an open discussion at the beginning, people know what to expect. Um, the worst thing you can do really is say, well, there's a prescription, on you go and just let somebody walk out thinking well is that it um, yes so is this going to solve it for me and just feel as if nobody cares or no one's listening um yeah, I know. so i suppose that's the biggest thing i've learned is that the last thing you want to do is let someone leave feeling that they've not been listened to and that, there's, that they can't come back for more support and that there's not support out there yes um, oh a hundred percent and yeah i know from my own personal experience that is something that i, I did feel but listening to yeah. you now makes me think like you like that that you would be the pers- perfect person to come to and and get that because I did off when I had had my own experience when I left the doctors I did think I just don't know if that was even a help or a hindrance. Let's go. Yeah, it, it was confusing for me. But whereas what you what you mentioned there about you know there, it's a lifestyle, it's like getting to the root of things. Like that yeah. is, I mean, that is fundamentally what it is. So. If someone has left the doctors feeling not that way, so say they have left feeling yeah. like, oh, would you recommend that they ask for a different doctor? Either ask for a different doctor or go back and say, look, what you said to me last time didn't help. Is there other, yes. other organisations that I can go to? And I'm, you know, I think it, I don't think it's right that people have left feeling like that, but definitely don't let it put you off going back. Yes. Um, there's lots of voluntary organisations online that can also help you, but really... Your GP is the linchpin of, you know, they should be um, in the centre of, of what's going on in terms of improving your mental health. Yes. Um, and they can then, as I say, direct you to other places that can help you. But it is really useful as a GP if someone, if one of your patients is struggling, to at least know what's going on with them. And even once I've directed people to other services, I still ask them to come back, even if things are better. Yes. Even if it's a telephone consultation, just to say things are, you know, on the right track, things are improving. Um. So yeah, I would encourage you definitely to go back and be quite open and say when I was here the last time, I actually didn't find it very helpful. Yeah. Um, yep. Just be maybe make honest. a double appointment. Ask for a long appointment if you know if you if you felt that you were rushed the last time. Um, but definitely try try and go back. Yeah, try and go back. No, that sounds. Yeah. That's very sound advice. And in terms of, so I mentioned we're going to have Jen Jen Jameson chatting on the podcast yeah. as well, and she has created a business sort of from her own journey with her mental health um, yeah. and it's all about getting people out into nature exercising the camaraderie of meeting new people out yeah. there do you think that um and I know that you obviously know Jen and stuff do you think that getting out into nature is one of is like a fundamental thing for helping well with well-being yeah no absolutely as I said there's lots of things I've talked about it quite a lot in the blog that can help your well-being um, and being more active is, is one of the things that can help. So any form of activity will improve your mental and your physical well-being. But there is definitely something specific about being outside in nature that helps. And we know it's to do with the fresh air, the scenery, 
the peace and quiet and some of the patterns that you see in nature called um, fractals can kind of very much help as well. So there's like specific repeating patterns that definitely have a calming influence in your brain. Really? So we know nature reduces your, yeah, there's lots of things about it. We know nature reduces uh, being out in nature reduces the levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone in your brain. There's lots of things about it. I think what's really good about what Jen's doing, though, is it's not just about getting out into nature. It's about challenging yourself. So she does, you know, the hill walks, they're doable. Yes. But there are some, some are more challenging than others. Oh, my um, God. So you I should think have, it's a should personal have challenge. Me, should have seen me, Laura, at the <laughs> devil's pool pit. <laughs> well, that's what I've actually, so I, I've been recommending, I've been saying to my some of my patients will say, you know, I really fancy hill walking, but a bit too nervous to moan and I now will give them Jen's number and say well I, I've got the perfect answer because this girl really? is amazing and she does amazing walks um, and they've asked me about some of the walks she does and I've kind of said, openly said I am a bit of a fierty and I'm not very fit <laughs> so the devil's no fit I'm going to do it one day yeah um, oh, d- do it it's tough yeah. though and you really do the photos looked amazing <laughs> oh it was it was so good Jen's like oh it's uh-huh. fine I'm like it's fine for you <laughs> Uh, but if it was easy, you would have you would have done that. And if that was not as difficult as it was, you wouldn't have had the same sense of satisfaction at oh, the end. One hundred percent. The big thing about what she's doing really is it's a personal challenge for you going on it. Yes. Um, but you're going with other people, so you're doing it things as a team and as a group. And if there's somebody who is lagging behind and struggling, everyone else doesn't walk off and leave them. No. They wait for you. So you get an element of support, an element of achievement on a personal level, and an element of achievement as a group where you've achieved something together. Yes. Um, And there's girls who've met on these walks and have gone again together afterwards, so there's a sense of community. Yes. There's just just lots of things about it that I think are beneficial over and above the positive effects of nature. Um, So, yeah, it's amazing how much difference something as simple as going out for a walk can make to people. Um, similar people who then go out for a walk uh, with their dog or with a neighbour's dog. Yes. If you um, if you don't have a, a lot of friends or, or a big community, if you go out walking, if you borrow a friend's dog and go yep. out for a walk, people will come up and talk to you because of your dog. Yes. They, they might not ask your name, they'll probably ask your dog's <laughs> name. <laughs> this um, is true. <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's definitely, there's something about being out and about in nature that that is better for your mental health than exercising in a gym for example yes i totally yeah. totally agree with you and then if we were to extract a couple of more tips um for sort of well-being yeah. from you then laura what would be like another kind of two or three top tips two or three top tips for well-being so i suppose i look at well-being in terms of what you eat and drink um how much you move how well you sleep and how good a community you've got so i suppose my top tips would be and get good sleep so make sure that you're getting to bed at a reasonable time that you're relaxing and winding down before you go to bed um, and that you've got a nice environment for sleeping in to maximize the amount of good restful sleep you're getting my second top tip would be there's lots of things you could say about um, nutrition and what you eat but my top tip would be eat more more plants so eat more fruit vegetables beans pulses nuts so even if out with all that you're still eating some burgers and some donuts and some chocolate and everything that's fine but if you increase the number of fruits vegetables plants and seeds that you're eating you will definitely be making a big improvement to your health in terms of your gut health and in terms of the amount of nutrients you're actually getting in um, yeah, so that would be my, my other big tip I think and my last tip would be what, what Jane's telling everyone to do as well just get more active and I actually don't care what people always say what do you mean by get more active I don't mind what you do just you can move. go in the garden yep. you can go to the gym you can paint the walls in your house it doesn't really matter just get up out your chair and, and do what you can and even if all you can do is walk around your living room twice 
that's amazing. Get yes. up and walk around your living room twice, but do it every hour. Yeah. Um, so that's, that would be my three top tips, I think. Oh, brilliant. Well, listen, this has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, no, you're welcome. You're chat. welcome. I think what you're doing is amazing as well. So it's nice. Um, we were saying earlier, it's nice to actually speak to people rather than just communicate. Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. It's so easy just yeah. to live a digital life. But actually, when you get yeah. to talk to people, it's it's even nicer. So no, listen, is, thank it? you. Yeah. And we will catch up separately on more things about what Absolutely. you're doing with your with your blog and with your team around you as well so listen thank you so much that's you're absolutely welcome anytime thank you bye okay bye so hello jen hi there thank you so much for being on the ggc podcast no worries i've been wanting to get you on this for ages because obviously you are the creator of the amazing excelsior adventures and we are doing a lot of exciting stuff together Yes, we are. And you have also got an amazing story. Yes. So for the listeners, I want to just kind of let them know how you and I connected. So obviously you've got this amazing hiking and walking business. And I was in Sri Lanka at the start of the year thinking to myself, I want to just go out walking, but I'm not a guide. I don't have what you need to be a guide. I don't have the knowledge of the country that you've got. So I thought to myself, no, it needs to actually be a professional who takes these walks. I can't just be like, anyone want to go for a walk. <laughs> so I put it out in the group, guys, I'm looking for a guided um, walker, a hill walker, anyone who's in that field. And so many people had tagged you. And then because I was away on holiday and the timings were so different, I'd kind of said to myself, right, I will message. But then you popped up in my DMs. Slid <laughs> right in the DMs and I was like, oh my God, this is great. And then when we got to, when I came home, we got together and then this is when the ideas for the walking and hiking club came to fruition and now they're fully out there yeah. and girls are coming along and loving it. So before we get to that, let's go back to your story because you've got a very powerful story for the reasons for starting your business and for different things that you've had going on in your life. So would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, so um, when I was 21, I left... Um, uh, an abusive relationship. Um, I think everyone thinks that when you leave a relationship like that, you suddenly, everything's fine. You've left it, you're so strong, everything's brilliant. But for me, it was kind of like, I ended up in a bit of a roller coaster. Um, my life went a wee bit up and down for a while. Um, and eventually I got put on medication because I was quite, I was in quite a low place. Um, the medication didn't agree with me and I ended up hitting rock bottom. Um, for me, I just wanted to do something that was, I wanted to do something for myself. I didn't want to be on the medication because, yeah. like I said, it wasn't agreeing with me. So I started going out into nature, started going out hiking. I went down to Malum Cove and had a bit of an epiphany and started just getting myself better. Um, that's when I decided I wanted to start the business because when I was at the point where I felt good and felt like I was in a good place, I wanted to be able to help other people. Um, because realistically, as much as the, we are so lucky we have the NHS, the um, demand that the NHS has when it comes to mental health is just ridiculous and it can't really be sustained at the moment. So I think it's really important to start looking at different ways of social prescribing and different things that you can do to look after yourself. So that's why I started it. It's just amazing. Like it's, it's such an amazing story and I don't know really have any other business that's doing it and having a focus on like the kind of people's mindfulness and having a focus on you know helping people through like hard times because I know myself nature is something 
which drastically helps any anxiety that I've got. Like I know myself that if I'm sitting feeling that horrible like pain that you get, like I get real pains in my chest. And if I think to myself, right, I'm, I need to go for a walk, even if it's just around the block, yeah. and you're just looking about and you're like, yeah, there's so much more than my own worries. Yeah. So it's a, it's such an amazing, and if you don't mind me asking, how long were you in your relationship for? So we were I, we were together for two and a half years. It's um, a long time. Yeah, it lasted. It, it went very fast. Um, so we moved in together after I think it was about seven eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were living together for two years. He wasn't always he wasn't always physically abusive or anything. It mm-hmm. was a lot of it, it crept up quite slowly. It was very manipulative and um, quite emotionally abusive. The things he would say was really nasty. Like mm-hmm. looking back, I'm kind of like I can't believe I, I let him speak to me like that. But it's so different when you're in the situation. Yeah. Um, and then. I think it was about six months before he started. I've noticed little things like he would like punch me in the leg um, if I was annoying him. And in the time, I was like, that's not abusive. Like, that's just that's normal. <laughs> um, and then it, it got quite physical. Um, and I decided I was like, nope, not having this. And it kicked him out. And <laughs> kind of, it was one of the hardest. It's, it's hard because obviously I, I loved him. Mm-hmm. And... It was, yeah, it was really, really difficult to do. Um, I didn't, we didn't end on bad terms, which was, I think, I don't know whether it was worse, but I always had a bit of guilt. I always wanted to be there for him because I felt like because I'd ended the relationship, I wanted to still be there to, to support him, mm-hmm. um, even though he was the one that was the nasty one. So, yeah, it kind of it was a bit messed up. Um, yeah. But that's then shaped your, your next steps. Yeah. Because after that relationship, as you mentioned, you went on medication and it just didn't... Yeah, well, it was actually... So after the relationship, um, I went out partying. Yes. I went on a bit of a wild one for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I let people treat me very badly. I had not great... Like, I got myself into situations that weren't very nice. Um, there was not a lot of respect for myself. Um yeah, I didn't really see much worth. Um, I just wasn't in a good place. Because your self-esteem was yeah. literally... Mm-hmm. It kind of tore you right down. I, yeah, obliterated. But I thought that I was fine. In my mm-hmm. head, I was like, I'm so happy. Everything's mm-hmm. so wonderful. I'm having such a great time. But I think all the partying and all the good times and all the hilarious stories that, when you look back, aren't really that hilarious. They're yeah. actually quite traumatic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that shaped a big sort of crash and burn, which was last year. So. It's so, it's so, like, everyone that you speak to, like, it's a natural thing once you have a breakup, regardless of how the relationship was, that you go crazy. Like, yeah. it just, it's just, it just seems to be, like, I know my, myself, friends, it's like you go on this mad party and speak because mm-hmm. you think it's like a masking thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you're masking how you're feeling, whether you're heartbroken or whether, you know, what's going on inside, you're using, like, alcohol and everything to mask yeah. it. And then it's almost makes everything worse. I basically went from, and it's kind of a, it's a bit of a funny story, but I went from this relationship to being a cheerleader. So if anyone's been on my Instagram, okay. you'll see that I was a cheerleader for an ice hockey team. Um, and that came with a lot of attention. And I came with a lot of, and obviously I wasn't used to that at all. I was, I came from like this attention. I, I felt, I didn't know what, what, I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't know what it felt like for people to be like, oh, you're hot. I was like, what? Like, shut up, stop it. But <laughs> like, that's because yeah. of the way you were feeling after that relationship. So it ended up like, um, 
a bit, I think it was like a, a little kid in a, a candy store where yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing and yeah. loving life. But yeah, I, it wasn't a good time looking back. <laughs> oh, but you know what? I'm, a, I'm such a big believer in like, so you've went through that and then you've went through that and it's all leading you towards like yeah. where you are now. Don't get me wrong. Like I do want to say that like there are times like I am very thankful for the stuff that I got to achieve and I got to do. There wasn't it wasn't I'm not turning around saying I had a horrific last six years like no. there was amazing times and I, I had I was very very lucky to be in the position that I was but in the when that, that was all sort of the forefront but like in the back the bit of behind the scenes like it just wasn't wasn't very nice nice and it just wasn't very um and not who you are not, as a person either yeah. so so you you were going through you were a cheerleader you'd kind of had your crazy party stage and then you're thinking what was kind of came next then yeah so I moved to a different team um and I was trying really hard to be professional, um, as I always put it. You can't see my ear quotes. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to be professional, and I wanted. I wasn't going out partying, mm-hmm. and I think I was growing up. Like I was. Yeah. So that stage was from twenty four to twenty three. Well, sorry, twenty one to twenty three. Okay. Um, and then when I turned twenty, was, yeah, twenty four, I was like, oh my god, I need to grow up. Like I really need to grow up. And I started. I think mentally I was growing up like one yeah. part of me was growing up but the other part was trying to cling on to like this because I knew that if I was growing up I had a lot to deal with yeah um so I think as I was kind of coming to terms with being an adult yeah. all of this these issues that I had were coming out um and it yeah it was like a a coke bottle like they would like it'd been shaking and shaking and then just one day something like the lid just <laughs> exploded and I just I think that for about six months, it was just all a blur of not being able to control my emotions, not mm-hmm. being able to deal with stuff. Um, like I said, I got put on medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and and do you think that was right for you? No. No. Um, I think that people are just getting put on medication as the first protocol. And I, as much as I went in and I said, I'm depressed mm-hmm. at that point in time, I think that was a bit of an overreaction. I think I was dealing with stuff. Yeah. And I had low mood, low motivation. Yeah. Didn't, and I think at the same time, I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. I didn't... I'd spent so many years with my focus being on a volunteer role yeah. and not what my actual job was. Yeah. So I think I was just a wee bit... Yeah, a wee bit lost. Mm-hmm. And it probably could have been result, like resolved in other ways, such as going out into nature yeah. and doing meditation, doing different things, not just being put on medication and getting told everything would be better. I also had been put on a waiting list for CBT, um, which in the end I waited 10 months before I got my first appointment. 10 months? 10 months. So it was a long time to wait. And obviously in that 10 months, everything built up in the medication and I didn't get along and I ended up just crashing and every time I went into the doctor I was saying this isn't working I'm not feeling any better he was just up in my dosage to the point where I was on 60 milligrams um, which is the highest you can be on and And like just so that everyone gets because they might not see a photo of you you're absolutely (laughs) tiny like you're so so that's a lot for a a mm -hmm. small petite lady so I eventually when everything sort of when I 
decided something needs to be done I went and got a second opinion and she the, the doctor that I went to see was like why are you on 60 milligrams what like that's mental okay. and I was like this is what I've been given like mm-hmm. I'm not choosing I know and um, you don't you don't really question like yeah. and I'm like you I'm big like lover of the NHS mm-hmm. I know that we're lucky but when you get advice from like a medical practitioner you kind of take it well I kind of take it as gospel yeah uh-huh. but it's almost like you've done totally the right thing because you're questioning this isn't right yeah so I went in and got my second opinion and she said right we're going to wean you off um and at this point in time was when I started going out to nature going out walking going out just seeing what we had just I went up the Wangy that was one of the first places I went I went up the Wangy with my mom and I went down to Malham and I just started doing all these different things and I once I'd weaned myself off um, she tried. She was going to put me back on a different type of medication, and I said, um, "No, I said I'm not going back on it. I'm just going to. I'm going to deal with it other ways." And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that you shouldn't take medication. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. Because there's definitely people who need their medication. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely understand that, and I completely get that. And I'm really, I'm all for that. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't right for me. It wasn't and right I think for you. it's important that people need to look at what's right for them yes um and medication isn't always the answer yeah yeah no 100 percent. and you're that exact sentiment is is echoed throughout you know i've heard a lot of people saying that recently especially because mental health quite rightly so is much more at the forefront than it ever used to be it used to be like not really talked about which is a shame because when you think about previous generations like the struggles that they would have had with their mind, but it was almost like to put taboo. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it was the way I kind of said it. It used to be like an STD. Like yeah, that's but, the way they would. Yeah. it was like an STD of the brain that you couldn't. As much as it's not like can't catch it, but yeah. like you know, that way like it's not talked about, and no. it's important to get get fixed, get sorted. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's so much, and there's so many different types, and there's so many. So there's you've got. You've got OCD, you've got depression, you've got anxiety, yeah. and you've got all these different things. But then on top of that, there's so many different ways that it's showcased yes. to people. So there's different ways that people experience it. Yeah. Like no person that's dealing with anxiety deals with it the exact same, same way. way. Um, same with depression, same OCD, and, and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's just it's so important to start talking about it and start looking at yeah. different ways that we can combat it. I think. So you want to catch it as preliminary stages before, so it doesn't manifest into something bigger. Yeah. Well, that well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, see, when you think about your mind and your body, it's like if you catch anything yeah. when it's in its early stages, you're giving yourself much more of a chance of totally recovering from it. Whereas if you're if it's not getting caught then it's like you say it's like yeah, a downward just, it's a downward spiral just yeah. gets worse and worse and obviously I think that the yeah the medication for me just don't know whether it may be I'm not saying that the medication is what made me worse it may have just been cases the medication didn't have an effect on me mm-hmm. and I got worse yeah. but I, I don't know I don't you, really know but all you know is how you felt yeah and it's a massive credit you you've managed to literally pull yourself out from the darkest place yeah mm-hmm. and now you've created this business it's, it's like I love it when women especially shine a light on their darkest times yeah. I think that women have got this massive capacity to be able to do that mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly what you've done you've, and can I just put a disclaimer that I am yes. not saying that if you come out of your house with me you'll be 100% cured because of course no, like I will all. still have 
I still have bad days, I still have sad days, I still have days where I do not get in my bed, um, but they're a lot less and yeah. they're a lot more manageable and yeah. yeah, like and I'm more in control of my thoughts. I think that was my biggest thing was that okay. I couldn't control my thoughts. It, it's called like rumination. Okay. And I was just overthinking every little thing. Yeah. And I think obviously there's a lot to do with it when it comes to like my eating, when it comes to um, I'm I'm now doing NLP and C B T and doing the hiking and everything like that, but yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get to the point where I can meditate and can do go to these places and, yeah. and get myself in the mood to 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 help myself if it yeah. wasn't for the hiking. So that was kind of the catalyst for the catalyst for you thinking yeah. you're going to do it on your own. Uh-huh. So talk to us then about you. So you're doing CBT and NLP. How do you find that those things help you? So there, the NLP. Um, so the CBT is with the NHS. So okay. that is the one that I waited on um, for, 10, for months. 10 months. And what is that, Jen? So basically, you just go in and they'll talk to you. Like They'll, they'll look at situations and how you handle situations and how okay. you're, you you think about situations and mm-hmm. how that makes you feel. And, and basically tries to... to Ex- like yeah explain your thought process and, okay. and reprogram your thought process okay NLP is a bit different um because that's a bit more like going back into your your subconscious and yes. also you can do that through um hypnotherapy and yep. things like that that I'm still quite new to the NLP um yeah. and the coaching so it's not all just NLP but it's coaching um <laughs> so obviously I'm doing that with Kirsty um Kirsty Ray. Yeah, Kirsty Ray, who is the GGC business um, mindfulness yeah, guru, isn't she? Yeah, she? Every Friday we have uh-huh. our recharge videos. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people who are speaking, like going for sessions with her because she is so great. So she's definitely helping me a lot just yeah. now. <laughs> Brilliant. But, yeah. So that's amazing. Right, okay. So now your business, because you've not long launched it. Mm-hmm. And you're taking people out for walks every week? Yeah, so I'm doing right now, I'm doing every Saturday um, and I'm organising them a, a month in advance um, yeah. and putting them up and sending obviously the emails out and putting them up on my website and Instagram. Um, but we're doing we're doing them every Saturday. I'm hoping to obviously add to that and add to that as yes, it comes. Yes, which you will. Yeah, um, and then obviously we've got our GGC events which are yes. twice a month, one during the week and one on the weekend. Yes, because I know that that's important for people to be able to come along on the weekend mm. as well as the girls who are through the week working. Um, so tell us about what's coming up because we've had two so two each month in the same location to give people the chance so we did the the wangy the devil's pool put in the wangy and it's see when I got back from well the first walk obviously I had terrible period pain Mm -hmm. so I got halfway up the hill and then sat down and cried (laughs) but then I started talking about that the second time I got up the hill and down to devil's pool pit and see when I got home I was totally buzzing yeah, so one of my friends, this is from the event that I just did on Saturday, okay. so we went to Brackland Falls, and just talking about how you feel afterwards, yep. so she was very sceptical okay. and doesn't tend to go out walking in general, okay. um, she's not that big into fitness, yep. but she was like, I was like, do you want to come along, like, come to the event, please, like, come yep. and we'll see, like, it's, I said, it's, it's pretty much flat, 
and we like got there and she was like you said this was flat and I was oh. like I said it was pretty much flat no but honestly <laughs> Jen this is your, your best because see that devil's pulpit that nearly yeah, killed like I was, was like oh my god like, I actually can't walk after then, like, it you're like that's fine I had to her and I was like this is flat and she was like <laughs> but um, she yeah so she messaged me the, the, like a few hours later she was like I haven't sat down since I got home. I've done two washings. I've tidied the She's entire just flat. Buzzing. I'm just so motivated and yep. buzzing. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's so <laughs> smug right now. No, but it's so true. And I think there's different elements that make you love it. There's you, because you've got such a lovely sunny disposition. You're like a wee day of sunshine. You're sharing people with people knowledge that they would never have about Scotland. It's the beautiful locations that you handpick and take everyone. You're like, wowed by it you're getting this fresh air and you're you're just like seeing nature at its finest and then also the camaraderie with the other girls on the walk women yeah. I should say I always just refer to us all as girls because I think we've all got inner child <laughs> but like you you leave with like friends yeah who you because you then feel like you've a it's almost like, it's not that you've put yourselves in danger, but you've, you've challenged well, yourselves. Oh, God, the devil's oh, God, the devil's not, okay, like, let's not talk about, like, that's bloody scary, that, but amazing, amazing. But you, you've challenged yourself, so when you're doing it with people, you've got this special bond. And it's so good for networking, yeah. like, seeing you're talking to the girl, like, what do you do, what do you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to actually come to you for that, or... It's brilliant. One thing that obviously we've not really mentioned is that we all drive up there together on a bus. Which um, is brilliant. So I've got my wee Excelsior Adventures minibus. Um, yeah. So we'll all get... Which is totally Instagrammable. It's so much fun. <laughs> I've got all my fluffy cushions. And <laughs> just wanted it to be cosy. And I've got a new speaker as well. Mm. So we're all sorted. Um, but you get on the bus. So we all have, we have the two pickup points, which yep. is Queen Street Station yep. or um, the Springfield Quay, yep. which means that you can leave your car there or you can use public transport. Yep. Um, we all get in this bus and then set off. And where we were going, the venue was only like 35 to 40 minutes. Yep. Um, but it still gives you an opportunity to get to, to know people on the bus. Yep. We have a laugh. Like it's a Put good the playlist time. on. Yeah, everyone's like requesting songs. Yep. And it's, it's a good time. Yep. Um, so that's another opportunity to get chat to people and yeah. I did love like the last GGC one we were on I could overhear people in the back being like oh yeah we'll Chatting do it let's do this sales. together let's do that together yeah and I was like this is actually amazing because as much as it's so good for your mental health and yeah. everything like that you're actually this is networking as well and it's I hadn't actually thought about it that way until yeah. I'd, I'd heard everyone chat Chatting. and let's do this together and let's do that yeah. so it's a really it was really um it's a really good moment for me. Well, you're, you're, yeah. you're connecting people. I think there's something really special about human connection, As, particularly, obviously, if the, if it's kind of equal energies. And by that, I mean, like, if someone's, like, really got on a different wavelength to you, that connection then feels clunk, clunky. Mm-hmm. That's the right word. But whereas, because everybody's out, you're not just in a room with each other, you're out, you're yeah. seeing things. It's raising people's energy, like, vibrations, yeah. if you mm-hmm. like. And so everyone is on a wee bit of a high, but it's a natural high. Yeah. So it's amazing. So I am o- o- honestly buzzing for the next one. Yeah, so the next one we're going to have Quantic Hill. Quantic Hill on the 23rd. 23rd and the 25th. Um, Brilliant. So that'll be fun. Um, we're going to need to leave a bit earlier for that one. Okay. Quantic Hill can be quite busy, yeah. but it doesn't take away from the amazing views. Um, so that'll be a really fun one to do. We've already got a couple of people signed up for it. That's exciting. exciting. And what about dogs in this one? 
Yeah, dogs are always. Our welcome. dog, dogs, yeah, okay. Dogs Not a devil's pill. No, devil's pill for us. No. Well, um, maybe you would have Haggis and the Bjorn myself crawling on the floor. Poor Haggis was like, "What the?" <laughs> Jenny's like, "Do you want me to so take funny. her out the Bjorn?" I'm like, "Do you want me to take something?" <laughs> Haggis is a lump as well. Oh, She's like so eleven funny. kilo lump. So yeah, no dogs are always welcome. Brilliant. I know that's exciting. Mm-hmm. So what is your what's your dream? My dream is to continue doing this. <laughs> um, I I'm really happy. I want to be able to obviously do this full time as yes. my job. I ideally I want this to be my full time full time yes. job. Um, I would love to expand to the point where I've got more mini buses. I've got yeah. people running. People and important to me that it's people of similar mindset to me. Um, running. To join your teams, uh-huh. yeah, all over Scotland. Um, I want to do away trips up to Isle of Skye. Amazing. Um, I want to camping trips. Yeah, be great. Uh-huh. So I also want to do retreats. Yep. I've been looking at little houses up in Isle of Skye to do oh, like retreats. Magical. The, which would be amazing. Um, and then so that's this year. Well, not this year, but that's that's for a year. And that's future. Uh-huh, that's that, that's what I'd like to do just now. And then in the future, I'd love to go to Norway, um, Europe with the the bus. Um, so that would be quite a good laugh. Proper road trip. Yeah. Um, and then and the way in the future is taking people over to Canada. So that's that's kind of what I want to do. Is I love it. I so you've got your five year plan. I want to help people see the world, and as much as Scotland is the key focus at the moment there's just so many beautiful places and oh it's incredible so let's talk um about the fact that this week is um mental health awareness week which is obviously a great time for us to be showcasing this podcast because we've touched on a few elements of it but i think the theme this year is about body image yes uh-huh. um and obviously it's so prominent because i reckon social media is very much so changing people's mental health albeit positively sometimes but also negatively mm-hmm. so this idea of body image it's almost like um i always say this same thing and i've probably said this in the podcast so people are probably like oh here she goes again but i always think like so i'm 32 and when i was growing up magazines were airbrushed obviously but still are um but there wasn't that movement about like no filter no airbrush it was always airbrushed yeah it's just what you were used to just what you're used to women were always absolute Adonis's perfection, everything, and you were just looking at this magazine like, why do my boobs not look like that? Why do I not have those nice slim legs? You're always picking yourself apart, but now it's so much worse because social media is crazy, and girls, like, it's not just girls, boys, everybody, people are editing their pictures, and I'm not just meaning like taking away a spot or doing so, or smoothing out like rough skin, yeah. it's like making themselves skinnier. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so, it's so hard for younger generations. Like, I am thick-skinned to it because I look at it and I think, I don't know what's real. I really don't know. And I'm kind of comfortable with my own skin now, which has taken a long time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now it seems to be. What What are your thoughts on so that? When I, talk, I talked about being a cheerleader, yeah. um, I think when people hear the word cheerleader, everyone automatically thinks, like... Like, oh, an, like, like an American, American like bring it on. You see Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, no. like the girls like that that okay. cheer for the NFL, the NHL. They're just like you have. They get like this is <laughs> what I think is ridiculous. They get tested, their body fat tested, weighed every week, things like that. Like what? They, like the yeah, you have to look a certain way, be a certain image. Like if you don't have that look, then you're not in the team. Like it's That's like so stressful. It's, 
ridiculous. Like, so when I started, I did, it was, so when I was doing my cheerleading, I had the same uniform. So my uniforms were modelled after a team in the NHL. Okay. So the girls in the NHL, they've all got their boobs pushed up to their chin. Yeah. They're all like, their abs are out. Um, and the girls in my team, what I was very, very proud of mm-hmm. and we really showcased, and this is what, what, when I said like there was a lot that I was very thankful for, mm-hmm. was because we had girls from a size 4 to a size 16 mm-hmm. in these uniforms walking around and so proud of their bodies, Good. proud, confident, like looking amazing. And I think it just showed, it, what we managed to show was that it doesn't matter what size you are, how you look, it's your beauty is shown through your confidence and your attitude. Yes. And that is what, what I'm, I'm very, like a big advocate of yeah. because... I, I've I've had a lot of people say to me like comments about my weight because as you said like I am quite small um but I get it in the opposite but direction like, but you're gorgeous like so I get it in the opposite direction in a, in the sense that people come up to me and go you're too skinny you're look at your wrists they're so skinny but that's the same so, that's the same yeah it's so it's it's all about like people people can think that oh like because you're you're skinny you don't have body issues or you've not got any confidence issues but you might still because people people are nasty and people uh, say things no, and you need like, to just be thick skinned and it's it's horrible in today's society but yeah I think that's like my sort of take on is that your your beauty is shown through your confidence your attitude it's all about inner beauty mm-hmm. isn't it because it's like you said there like I know a family member of mine is really really slim like she's that like a wee model but she genuinely can't put on weight uh-huh. and she has gone through so much skinny shaming I guess you'd call yeah. it mm-hmm. um, people telling her just go and eat at McDonald's and all that and like she is like that makes her wee heartbreak yeah because she she wants to be like and everyone's got their own ideal the, in their heads the eye roll that you get when you're like no I genuinely I can't put on weight yeah the eye roll you get it's just like ugh. and you're like no, no but <laughs> not like I genuinely uh-huh. and it's not healthy at times because like it can lead to anemia it can lead to different things that that obviously are aren't good for you and yeah um people obviously think that because I'm out hiking and stuff that's how I look after myself and it's not a case of that I like I just don't think that you should be working out and stuff to be skinny you should be working out to be Be fit and that's uh absolutely and that's the the most important thing yeah no I I'm a, a totally in agreement with you because I do believe that it's, it's all about the inside because mm-hmm. the outside is literally like just the outer shell but it's the inside where it's all going yeah and if you don't if you don't like love yourself but I do I totally agree with you I think it's all about inner beauty and and feeling like love for yourself mm-hmm. and not in the old oh you love yourself it's like actually love yourself mm-hmm. so what tips would you give to ladies like if you've got maybe like say three top tips on trying to love yourself and, and maybe not care so much about your outer image and think more about if you get like obviously get outside the nature <laughs> probably be yeah. <laughs> get up on the hills and you're fine um, that no that's that's the thing is that um, no one cares what you look like when you're at the top of a hill so <laughs> I mean that but that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a slogan too <laughs> But yeah, no, that's probably one of my top tips is to get out into nature and yeah. that helps you if you're feeling crap about anything, you yeah. definitely getting out there will, will help. Um, 
Oh, I don't know. I'm not allowed to swear, am I? Of course you are. Oh, am I? Well, no, I'm not going to swear because my mum might listen. Oh, <laughs> but like, screw up. them. If anyone yes. says anything, screw them. Like, I know. Don't, doesn't matter. I know. Um, and third, it's what's on the inside. So be a kind person, be a nice person, and you'll get on all right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you, it's all about the whole magnetism thing and what mm. you're putting out, you get back. And yeah. if you are a kind person, you're getting all that kindness back. It's, it's all going to just kind of nourish your wee soul yeah so you know that's brilliant okay so let's finish up then you are doing an event yes uh-huh in november okay um, tell us uh-huh. so um still in very early stages but yep. i've got quite a few things confirmed so it's november the 17th mm-hmm. so, so it's a sunday um sunday november 17th yeah it's at the Blyswood square hotel yeah um, it's called mental illness take a hike um brilliant. it's all about showcasing different ways to look after your mental health so all about social prescribing we're going to have um different speakers going to have some workshops some stalls um it's going to be like just a big day conference to just look at different ways to look after yourself and and Brilliant. highlight different um different ways to do that and we will be pushing tickets for anyone that wants to go through the ggc so they won't miss it it'll be up on the website as well and see just before we finish jen you mentioned social prescribing a couple of times see for anyone that doesn't know what that is can you just describe what social prescribing is basically just looking at different options that isn't medicated or through your nhs so Obviously, like the CBT and all that, that's done through the NHS and mm-hmm. medications through the NHS. So it's looking at different social opportunities that okay. you have. So joining a football team yep. or going to a, doing aromatherapy, going to a sewing class, getting yep. out to meet people. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of so I've I've been speaking with um the Register Association of Mental Health and they put a big thing on social prescribing. Okay. Um, and just kind of advising you of places to. To help that aren't not anything to do with the NHS, but that are out with the NHS. Okay, amazing. And you, sorry, very quickly. I know I keep saying we're <laughs> going to, but you spoke about doing your ma- your mental health first aid. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm tell going to be speaking to um, that's again Glasgow Association of Mental Health. So I've, okay. I've dropped them an email because I'm really interested in doing my mental health first aid. So okay. um, I think a lot of workplaces are now getting being aware that they need to support individuals yeah. um, in the workplace because obviously work is probably the most one of the most stressful places for everybody uh, yeah yeah so i think a lot of people are bringing in a mental health first aider so they're getting someone trained up just to be able to like handle situations where somebody says something that they think is a wee bit alarming or concerning then they can handle that situation they know the right things to say the ways to to help with that so brilliant i'll be sitting that just so, so you'll be doing that yeah. which is going to go hand in hand with your business yeah because if you're taking people that are feeling maybe a wee bit low on a walk yeah then it means that if they're talking to you mm-hmm. you've got the t- you've already got the tools because you have experienced it yourself yeah. mm-hmm. but it's just that wee extra thing yeah so it's like everyone can, not everyone but a lot of people know how to do first aid like yeah. when it comes to cpr if someone needs to do yeah. cpr you could probably in the worst case now you could you could probably do it yeah but having the first aid training yeah i'm really advocating do not go and do cpr on someone if you have not if you've not no, really no, always but you know what i mean like everyone everyone's course. got like an idea of like okay cpr yeah, yeah staying alive like yeah. they know in the back of their mind yeah. how to do it but the actual proper training is so important so yeah. i think it's really important that i actually go and um get the professional training when i'm when i'm going out and taking people out on my hikes brilliant and also in day-to-day life it'll be handy just good tools mm-hmm. when, when talking to people Oh, well, Jen, we're just so glad that we're doing our partnership 
through the GDC, I just love everything that you're doing and I think your business is going to go from strength to strength, just like you. Thank you. So thank you for taking the time <laughs> and hopefully our listeners will come out for a hike with us because yeah, there's definitely. limited places and we just want to get, get to know them all. Yeah, definitely. Okay, thanks, thanks very much. Jen. Speak to you soon. Speak to you later.